Turn to Colossians chapter 1. It's Father's Day. And I know as I'm standing here that there are people, including me, that are going through various feelings about this day. Based on maybe your experience with an earthly father. Both male sitting in this room and female. And I want to say that because my experience and my reaction to that experience might be different from somebody else's, it doesn't make mine or theirs any less valid. Because if, if I go through an experience one way and somebody goes through it a different way and my response to them is you just need to suck it up, that doesn't do anything. So maybe you went through an experience and maybe you come out unscathed just because you did and maybe someone didn't. That doesn't make theirs any less valid than what they experienced. Colossians 1, verse 9. Paul, in writing this letter, says, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will, be, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So his prayer is that you be filled with all the knowledge of God and spiritual wisdom and understanding. And as that happens, this then will be the result. You will walk worthy of the Lord. Unto all pleasing. And, and here's, here's a challenge. Because, you know, and I'll just speak for me. When I would read that, and I would read that part so that you would walk worthy, I always kept going back to performance. God, I've got to perform well. God, I've got to, be, I've got to walk worthy. I've got, I've got to do this. I've got to be this way. And I, and I want to challenge you this morning... That maybe walking worthy is being able to walk the same way. If I can cook, and, which I can't, by the way. <laughs> so I'll tell you that right up front. But if I could cook and they would say, Benjamin, that dish is worthy of a chef. What they're saying is what I did is along the same caliber as what that chef did. You and I have been given the task of walking just like Jesus walked in the earth. And you say, but wait a minute, that was Jesus. He was the Son of God. He was born without a sin nature. He was born of the Spirit. Well, that's true. 
and you are a son of God. The moment you received him, your sin nature died. And you were born of the Spirit. And you can walk just like he walked. So when I look at this, I understand that correct understanding always precedes correct actions. Amen? But I also understand that I have to know who I am. God, what you purposed, what you had on your heart as you formed and fashioned me, what you purposed in the earth for me to do. And when I understand that, then I begin to walk worthy of the Lord because of who I am. It's about identity, and we get our identity from our Father. A little baby comes into the world... Most of the time, he takes the name of the father of that child. The moment you got born again, you took your father's name. Had an interesting thing happen about 17 years ago Ah, with someone I'm really close with. He was 50 years old, and he just found out that he was adopted. He'd never known. I'd never known. Everybody else knew. Everybody else knew. He had been kept in the dark. And when I caught up to him, what I found out, when I caught up to him, a couple hours after that, we had a conversation, and I listened to him as he said, I don't know who I am. He no longer understood his identity. And it didn't last all that long, maybe for a few days or for a few weeks as he processed that. But I watched the shock of someone when all of a sudden, now again, none of the experiences had changed when he grew up. Nothing had changed other than he found out that who he thought was his father wasn't. And it caused him to question everything in his life. When he, when that, there was a disconnect between that relationship, that father relationship. For the moment, everything come unglued. And I'm here to tell you today, There are people sitting in this room. And there's been a disconnect. Maybe with your earthly father. But some of you, there's been a disconnect with your heavenly father. Pastor shared last week in Acts... In him we live and move and have our being. Acts chapter 17, 28 and 29. What's that tell you? In him 
I have, and I decide, I, I discover my identity, who I am. It's in him. And if I have a disconnect with that, then I struggle with who I am. And he goes on to say right after that, he says, And we being his children. I want you to know this morning, you have a father.
with the Father. You know, we can look at Jesus and go, man, Jesus is cool. It, it's about him dying on the cross, forgiveness, grace. Jesus, man, he just loved everybody. He did miracles. He fed people. And you can be fine with the Holy Spirit. Oh, I love it when the Holy Spirit shows up and the gifts and the words of wisdom and the words of knowledge. And oh man, come and prophesy. Give me a word, give me a word, give me a word. But the moment the Father shows up, we go, wait a minute. I don't know that I want to deal with the Father. Because we've got a misconception of who the Father is. See, it's the Father who brings affirmation. It's the Father who encourages. It's the Father who corrects, yes. But not out of being, being a punishment. Think of a father correcting as you're a parent, you're a mother or a dad, and you're teaching your child to ride a bike. And as they're struggling to learn, you will bring correction to what they are doing that is going to cause them not to be successful. Now, there might be consequences. They might stumble and fall a couple times. But it's not because you are punishing them. It's because in the process of learning how to do it right, we sometimes do it wrong. And along with that, we have boo-boos. But because of some of the issues that we have, we don't know how to deal with the Father. See, 1 John 4, 18 says, perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment. That's not the Father to punish that might have been your experience and my experience with our earthly fathers. But the challenge is that once we have been under that kind of, of experience and been taught that day after day and year after year, we now have issues with a heavenly father because our only concept of a father is someone who was always punishing us, someone who was always telling us you'll never get it right, someone who was always telling us you'll never amount to anything. That's not your heavenly father. But the challenge is once we have gone through that, now we want to resist the very one who is there to affirm us and encourage us. We want to resist the very one who is the source that we need to connect to. The very one that will give us the strength to step out in faith and begin to risk taking steps and get out of the boat. 
And so we begin to push against that. We begin to, to get excited about the fact that, Jesus, you're wanting to do some things. And we begin to press in. And then we begin to hit that, well, wait a minute, who am I? I can't be doing this. That can't be me. I've been told all along that I'll, I'll never succeed. I've been told all along that I can't do this. So what happens? We begin to back away. And I'm telling you, if you're experiencing that, you have an issue with the Father. You have an issue with the Heavenly Father. And you're cutting off part of the Godhead and not allowing the anointing and who He is to take place and to change and direct and guide your life. And I don't say that as a criticism. I say that because I am there. I have faced this time and time again where I have pushed and and pressed against Jesus about going further and going further. And then all of a sudden I get to the point where I go, wait a minute. I'm much further out here on this limb than I dare want to think. And, you know, Benjamin, nothing you've ever done has been successful. You know, Benjamin, they always, you know, you grew up hearing that you'll never amount to anything, that everything you did was always wrong. And so what happens? I begin heading back for the trunk of the tree where that limb is a little more sturdy. I get in situations that I haven't faced yet, and I want to begin to retreat. Why? Because I'm struggling with an affirmation and encouragement from my Heavenly Father. And so I get in situations where I'm not comfortable. And I'm telling you what, it turns me every way but loose. Because all of a sudden now it's, oh my God, what am I doing? How could I think, oh, I, I, no, I can't, no, I won't do this, I can't do this. Because I've got an issue with my Heavenly Father. Because when He shows up and wants to come and encourage me and affirm me, my only response to a father has been, I don't want anything to do with you. And so I begin to hold Him at an arm's distance. And the very one who's the solution to my challenge, I resist. So the risk factor goes out the window. Because how can I risk when I'm, the only thing I can think of is that my father's going to let me down. He's not going to be there when I need him. And for us to get where God wants us to be, We've got to deal with this. We really do. Because you'll keep pushing and backing away and pushing and back away and pushing and back away until you get to the point where you no longer push. And it becomes a self 
prophecy that you keep perpetuating because when you feel that resistance, you then begin to say, well, I can't. And so the very words out of your mouth keep you from fulfilling the plans and purposes of God in your life. Psalm 68, verse 6. And can I tell you, I'm not, again, I'm not speaking just to dads here today. There are just as many of you ladies that grew up in that same kind of environment, never knowing the affirmation and encouragement of a father. Never knowing how to interact with a, with a father. Psalm 68, verse 6. God makes a home for the lonely. And he leads out the prisoners into prosperity. The King James Version of that first part says, He sets the solitary in families. You know, you can come to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and never embrace or be embraced by family. Because we don't know how to interact. And so we, we do things and we have events. And it's okay if I'm sitting here on a Sunday morning because... First of all, it's a two-hour period of time, and quite frankly, I don't have hardly anybody I need to talk. That I, if I don't want to talk to anybody, I don't have to. There's, there doesn't have to be any, any interaction. But we do things like our Sunday fun days. And now all of a sudden, I can become quite uncomfortable. Because, oh my Lord, now I've got to interact with family. Now I've got to interact with people that I see all the time. But I still, because of my issue, I still keep holding them at an arm's length. And not embracing them and allowing them to embrace me. Because I've got an issue with my Heavenly Father. And while I hear Him say that, You're my child. I'll meet your every need according to my riches and glory. I get it here, but it certainly doesn't get me here. Because whether I can receive it in my head, I can't believe it in my heart. Because that comes from a father. And I don't know how to deal with that. They'll tell you that this is the loneliest generation ever in the earth. This is also the most depressed generation on the earth. 
This is the most fatherless generation on the earth. And the statistics will tell you 2011, Fresno ranked 13th in American cities in suicide. 13th in the country. Over eight a month. Those issues that we see in the natural, about even hearing the the secular people say it's the loneliest, most depressed, most fatherless generation, I'm here to tell you it's the same in the spirit. Because we've lost sight of how to interact with a father. We get lonely and depressed because we don't know how to receive the affirmation and encouragement from our Father. Turn to Luke 15. A lot of us have read this parable time and time and time again. Verse 11. A man had two sons, and the younger of them said to the father, Give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. Now that sounds pretty straightforward when you read it, but you have to understand the culture in which this was written. First of all, for a son to say, Give me my inheritance now, was equivalent to saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Because it was unheard of. So that you know the story. The son takes off and squanders all his inheritance. And he comes to his senses and says, man, even the servants in my father's house have more than enough. And he comes up with this great plan. I'll go to my dad and I'll say, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me a hired servant. And as Pastor shared last week, he made mention, in fact, I thought he was going to get into this today, Uh, what we're doing today, but he made mention that the father never, he said, he specifically said, the father never left the porch and went looking for his son. And that's true. We don't have any record of that. But he stood there seeking out that son every day. And it says when that son returned, when he saw him while he was afar off, the father ran to him and embraced him. Now again, let's talk the culture of the day. First of all, fathers didn't hike up their robes and run. It was undignified. However, the father did that because he had a purpose. Deuteronomy, I think it's 21.19 says, If you have a rebellious child and they are gluttonous 
and they are a drunkard and they will not repent, you bring them before the elders of the city and the elders will stone him and kill him. That's the culture in which this story takes place. So the father runs to his child. Why? He's got to get there first. He's got to show that child the love of the father again first before the other people get there. Because again, in this culture, for that son to have taken his inheritance and left, it was such a reproach against the father and the family. Everybody in that community knew about it. They were all well aware of the situation. And the father knew, I have to get there first. I have to get there because if they beat me to him, I've lost my son. So he gets to the son and it says he embraces him. He puts a robe on his back, a ring on his finger, and shoes on his feet. He's declaring once again to anyone who might come in the meantime, and he's not waiting until he gets back to the house to do this. He's doing this first. So if anyone else shows up, they understand that this father has received his son again. He's not waiting to get back to the house and do this indoors. He's wanting to make sure this is publicly known, that I'm taking a robe and putting the robe of righteousness back in. I'm receiving him back as a son. I'm putting a ring on his finger so that everybody knows that he can transact any business that this family has in my name. And I'm putting shoes on his feet because servants don't wear shoes in those days. I want you to hear the Father's heart in all of this. Because your Heavenly Father is coming after you this morning. And He's running to you. And He's not coming empty-handed. He's coming with a robe. He's coming with a ring. And he's coming with shoes to restore you, to, to, to claim again what has been disconnected. It's time to come home. It's time to come home. At the baptism of Jesus, it says when he come up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended as a dove and rested on him. And the voice of the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus hadn't started a public ministry yet. He'd done no miracle There's no record that he'd ever taught. He hadn't done anything as far as a performance for a father to just say those words based on what he'd already accomplished. And I'm here today to tell you, your father is looking at you and saying, this is my beloved son and daughter 
in whom I'm well pleased. I don't care what you've done, what you haven't done. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You said, well, I haven't done anything. I haven't. And it doesn't matter. Revelation 3.20. I'm going to turn and read it because I have a tendency to leave half of the verses out as I read sometimes. Even though we've all known this and so I embarrass myself because all of a sudden I get it wrong. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. That's a great verse, and we use it a lot when we're trying to get, well, I won't say when we're trying to get, but when we're putting forth an altar call for unbelievers to come. But I'm telling you, this verse was written to believers first. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hear my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him. Do you realize that, again, in the culture that this was written, Dining with someone was an intimate experience. You just didn't eat with anybody. It was held as a, as a great recognition of the people you were with. It was an intimate interaction between the people. And your father is saying today, if you will open the door, I will come in and I will begin this intimate experience with you. I will show you what a father is supposed to be. And I'll make up for what you maybe didn't get from an earthly father. But I'll tell you, I'll be there to be your biggest champion. I'll be the one telling me there's absolutely nothing you can't accomplish. I'll be the one to tell you that you are the apple of my eye. And and if you were the only person around, I would pour out my heart and my love on you just as much. We've got to learn how to interact with the Father. So let me ask you a question. Well, let me back up first. I've got a couple more things I want to say. How do I know that I've got the right crowd? I'm going to say something that might hurt. Just slightly. But I will say that there's people in this room that this church has yet to see the, the giftings and the callings of God manifest through you. And if that's the case, it's because you've got an issue with the Father. It becomes an issue of maybe self-esteem. It becomes an issue of, 
well, I can't do that. No, 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 no. You were created for this. And the moment you and I begin to pull away from that, we begin to say, Father, I don't trust you. I don't trust you because I'm fearful. And what's that say? If perfect love casts out fear and I have a fear in this area, I don't understand his perfect love. So I know I've got the right group. And again, I say this because I am right in the middle of this. I am, you know what, can I tell you? And it's embarrassing for me to say this. I've been a believer for 40 plus years. Now that part's not the embarrassing part. But the embarrassing part is I'm just now beginning to learn how to interact with a father. That's a little sobering. I have kept him at an arm's length because the only thing I could think of when the Father would begin to show up, the only thing that would go through my minds and my thoughts and my hearts, and my hearts, I got more than one, I guess, my heart was that all I'm going to do is hear that, Benjamin, this is how you screwed it up again. Benjamin, this is how you fell short. Benjamin, this is why you shouldn't be doing this. Won't you ever learn Will you ever get it right? Because those words were rehearsed for me day after day, year after year, growing up. And so I wanted nothing to do with a father. And the sad part of it was, as I got older, I wanted nothing to do with anything with my earthly father we would talk and we would get together when we would talk when sports was on that was it no relationship he's now been gone for seven years I wished I had the opportunity to make it right so you might be here as a mother and father today you might have a situation that sounds kind of similar. I'm telling you, there's always still time to make it right. And if the other person in that relationship will not allow that to go any further, I'm here to tell you, there are all kinds of people who are in need of spiritual mothers and fathers. If you can't make that relationship right in the natural, I'm here to tell you, you've got an 
ample opportunity to be a mother and a father to a lot of believers who are in need of one. I love the fact that even though my son is 32, I don't stop being a parent. The fun part now is when I talk to him, he actually listens. <laughs> Who knew? There are things I wished I could go back and do differently. I can't change those, but I can change it now. And because I can't go back and change what's happened before, doesn't mean I quit. Doesn't mean I stop. It means I try to find a way. And if I can't do it through this avenue, I just look for another avenue. There are people who are waiting for you to pour your life into.